and welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. I'm your host, Doug Hill, and in this episode, we'll be joined by a guest who needs to be able to talk sports all day, every day. Yep, we're headed into the barbershop and are joined by Coach Ray Gibson, owner of Coach's Cuts in Columbus, Indiana. Gibson founded Coach's Cuts in 2010 with the goal of combining his two passions, sports and providing quality and affordable haircuts to the Columbus community. We look forward to learning about Coach's path to the barbershop and the many sports-related experiences he's had along the way. Coach, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, again, a thousand apologies for not making it yesterday, uh, but we're here today uh, and blessed. Um, my name is uh, actually Hayward Raymond Gibson III. Uh, I go by Ray Gibson, and and Columbus has made me coach. Uh, okay. My 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 transition to Columbus, as I call it, transition, was one of of need. I was born in New Jersey, Princeton, New Jersey, and we'll get to that once you ask the question. Uh, I was born in Princeton, New Jersey, and decided to move to Columbus, where I now have two children. A a daughter, uh, Brittany, and a son, Keenan. Uh, I coached for uh, 17 years in Columbus, just retired before the COVID in 2019, not because of COVID, just because I wanted to spend more time with my two existing grandchildren. Um, I love sports. I love sports. I think it's the, the pathway to success. I think it's the pathway to leadership. We just had a a conversation and it's always a conversation. It's never a, a dictatorship inside the barbershop. Uh, we feel free to, to, to have a very few, a good opinion. My son who works alongside with me and one of my barbers, Twan Cook, who is a Philadelphia Eagle fan. It's an NFC East season right now at the barbershop with me being a Giants fan, being from New Jersey. Uh, I love the fact that I think you as long as you have that TV going and ESPN's on, there's a conversation. There's a conversation. Yeah. Um, as we know, Mr. Coleman is is a is, is a good friend of mine, and and there's not any conversation that's not accepted in the barbershop. I'm not a Colts fan, but we talk about the Colts as well. Oh, very nice. Um, well, yeah, you you referred to you know my question and. and as reg regular listeners know, there's really only one question that is mm -hmm. scripted on this podcast, and that is, what's your first recollection of, of being a sports fan? When, how far back does I, that go, and, and where do, where does it go? It goes it goes like this. My father is Haywood Raymond Gibson Jr. in 1963, 64, uh, fall of 64. He was the first Afro-American to enroll and be accepted to the football program at Pitt Princeton University. So Princeton was the last Ivy League school to break the color barrier. Wow. I was born in 1965, so obviously I was a campus baby. My first regulation, uh, recollection, excuse me, of football, of sports, was in 1966 or 67. I remember sitting on my grandmother's lap my grandparents didn't travel a lot. We were at uh, Yale against Princeton. And 
It was for the Ivy League championship. And I remember that my dad and another gentleman, I can't recall his name, blocked a punt and someone else picked it up and they won the Ivy League. They had a share of the Ivy League championship, went on next week to win, I think, against Cornell and win the Ivy League championship. And I remember going back to the Tiger Inn, which was a prevalent place at Princeton where only athletes were allowed to go. And I remember uh, my dad bringing me to the Tiger Inn after that win and sitting amongst all the other athletes, such as Senator Bill Bradley uh, was there, um, and, and, and other, uh, Walt Kazmaier, who had won the Heisman, the first Princeton guy to win the Heisman, was not, was not on the team, but he actually was at that end that night. So I was probably one and a half, two years old, and I just remember the excitement of that sporting event. And me and my dad talked about that probably about five years ago. And he asked me, how did I remember that? So that was really that and taking a photo for the North Star Ledger with my dad's football helmet on in, in diapers was my first real recollection of putting a football helmet on. So I was probably about two years old. Um, I actually, uh, we are a football family. My son played at Ball State. Uh, went on to train for the Green Bay Packers and uh, had some injuries and decided to give it up. And now I have a grandson that's a running back. His father, uh, Jawan Edwards, is the all-time leading scorer and touchdown man for Ball State University. So my grandson has a path of football, but I think he's a better baseball player. But yeah, that uh, recollection of me being around sports. And I also remember my dad putting everything in my hand. Um, I don't think I was designated to any particular sport. Um, I played uh, baseball, football, tried soccer, was a little heavy guy, so I, I didn't last very long with that. Uh, basketball, too short. Uh, not a, um, And then football was my love. I wrestled as well. I wrestled as well. Um, but I just think that sports, um, and putting them in men, young men and women's hands early is the leap is, is the way to success. I really, really do. And it doesn't have to be, uh, any particular sport, just, just yeah. something as a team oriented thing. So we understand what leadership and team are about. Um, I think some of our greatest leaders, I think we have great offensive coordinators and we have great defensive coordinators but i think the head coach the leader has to take 57 and i i, I look at the nfl this was a conversation the other nfl how does a a great nfl head coach such as mike tomlin uh, um nick saban when he was there or we can go to college now that they do nil and tony mm -hmm. dunn how do men that make less money than men lead men that's yeah. a that's a very valid question. I don't know if I could do that. I, I think Jeff Saturday has stepped into something that all of us wish we could do. I think this is a make make a wish from the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Um and I don't criticize for that. I think I thought I'd love to have the opportunity to do that, but I just don't know if it's as easy as people think to lead millionaires. That's that's a tough 
Well, you you touched on two things there, and, and I'll go to mm-hmm. the second one first, which was as we record this, um, Jeff Saturday, who has some prior head coaching experience at a high school, I believe, once yep. upon a time, um, is about to become the interim head football coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and I know that Columbus, Indiana is not terribly far away from Indy. So I would imagine that that is predominantly Colts country there, but I could be making a faulty assumption, but what is the, uh, the view on the street? I have heard your perspective on that, that it's, it's a fantastic opportunity, but maybe in a bit over his head, what is, what is Indianapolis's view of that? Okay. Well, it, 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 it's funny how, um, you asked that and we all look at it this way. We also have the pleasure of playing the guy that disrespected our state in uh, Josh McDaniels this weekend. (laughs) Uh, Very true. So it's funny how sports is almost like story-like. And we have an opportunity to, I think Saturday is going to reestablish the culture. I don't know if he can if he even in fact might win a game, but I think he's going to reestablish the the culture. I think that this gives us an opportunity to get the right guy. I hope it's Sean Payton um, and get, it's not of lack of talent. Remember, this is the NFL. Only two thirds of people ever make it to the NFL that try out for the NFL. So these are professionals. Mm-hmm. We just have to have the right leader. And I'm not saying Frank was, wasn't the right leader. It just was, it was stale. It was stale. So if I think anything, Saturday is going to bring a freshness. It's almost like he's going to come in there and spray the locker room out because it's pretty stinky right now. Um, I, 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 so I'm excited. As a high school yeah. football coach, I'm excited for him. Uh, I know he's a rah-rah guy, always was. Um, so I think it's exciting for our state just to see what's going to happen. I know that he's not our permanent fix, but I yeah. think it's, it's a way to get some morale. And, and and maybe just get a just a just a morale boost, rah rah win from the crowd. It, it's a home game, and again, we're playing Josh McDaniels, who's not doing too well either. <laughs> no, oh, it's funny how that works. Um, and then the other thing that you referenced, unrelated to the NFL and, mm-hmm. and Jeff Saturday completely, and you alluded to the fact that when you were younger, you played a multitude of sports, um, and and I heard you say several times how important sports are for the development of, of young people. Um, are, are you pro play everything that you can possibly play and, and not specialize? Because I know that we have kind of leaned into an era of specialization, it would seem more recently. Where, where is your perspective on that? And, and how do you feel about athletes I, who specialize versus athletes who try everything? I think, I think in the early stages, I think um, you should try everything. Um, I don't think kids, you know, I don't think a kid, a young man, once he determines what he wants to do with his athleticism, be it go to the next level, then you kind of got to specialize. Back in the day when you and I played, you know, you put the baseball glove up, you pick up the you know, the wrestling headgear, you put the track shoes on, you put the basketball up. It just went by the seasons. When the leaves changed, the sports changed. Yeah. Um, the specialization is because of the money that's involved in sports. Um, I don't disagree with it, but I think that kids at a young age should just try everything. I think they should try everything. And then as they go along, they can figure it out. It, it, it is a specialization. My grandson is playing, just finished playing baseball and we're in November. Um, 
but that's the, the that's the way of 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 the, the way it goes now. I don't think a kid. My son didn't stop playing basketball to his sophomore year in high school, and that's when he decided to sat down with his high school coach and. They decided that he had a chance to play Division One football, and we got into that. Now, you play pickup games, but as far as playing for the school, it ended for him after his freshman year. But until then, he played football, basketball, baseball, did a little track. Uh, he was yeah. a good very good player, but he, he decided to – we went to a clinic, and I remember – they we were talking about football and uh, Coach Eric Moore from Center Grove was speaking and he spoke to us and said, "Let's remember that there are probably four or five Division One scholarships on Division One basketball teams, but there's always twenty five to twenty six football scholarships available. So the numbers were were were, were, were kind of what made you sway to maybe we ought to get a little ser- more serious about that." Um, but again, I coach high school football and I coach a lot of multi-sport athletes. Uh, I coach for Coach Tim Blass from Columbus North for t- from 2009 to 2019. And we had kids that, you know, played played wrestling. We call it frack football and track go hand in hand here in Columbus. Um, but Coach Bless always wanted kids to play multiple sports until they decided they were going to lock in. Now, that doesn't mean that when you're not playing a sport, you're not working towards getting better at the sport you're at. If you're going to play that one sport, again, specializing with it, they have these trainers down here. Columbus is, uh, I call it the A, B, and C. If you do A, B, and C down here, D is probably a D1 scholarship, and that's in all, all sports. This is a melting pot of athleticism. I believe, truly believe, that if we had one high school I don't know if we wouldn't be the best of the best in the whole state of Indiana. We have to spread our our talent between two schools. One has about 2,000 students plus, and the other one has 3,000 students. So there's almost 6,000 kids in our school and over 1,000 kids playing sports. And we're pretty good at everything. Very good at a lot, pretty good at everything. We have an excellent, excellent uh, cross-country our, our, our football is solid on both schools. Our golf is solid. Our swimming is solid. We're just, we're just solid. But again, to, 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 to an Indianapolis school, we're watered down because we have to spread our talent between both schools. But we have open enrollment in Columbus. I don't know if you know that. So you're able to go to school wherever you want to go to school as long as you can get to school. Uh, sure. So we have enrollment. You can go to either high school. So it depends. And Back in the day when I first moved here, it was uh, with the Keels at Columbus East. It was if you wanted to play wide receiver, you went to Columbus East. And if you wanted to be a ground and pound, all the old linemen and the good tailbacks went to Columbus North. And then, you know, as football evolved, so did our city. So it's more run and gun, single back now. And you go to either school now. You go to either school. Yes, sir. Now, now you alluded to the fact that you – you know, you kind of found your way to Columbus. How, how did that happen? What, what's the story in terms of how you got to Columbus, Indiana from New Jersey? Okay, well, I, I, I came, down on some hard, uh, came down on some hard times. And the one thing that, that, that I told you, Mr. Coleman, I'll tell you, I'm a straight shooter. I uh, fell into some addiction and had some family and friends that lived here and uh, came here uh, and got it together. And uh, always wanted to coach football. Got an opportunity when my wife's 
cousin got sick and I had to take over a horrible, horrible uh, youth football team that just didn't know anything. They were, I think we were third graders. And I think we uh, lost every game. And I fell in love with, the, with, with just the development of the worst athletic kid on the team finishing the season. And my goal was to just make kids love the sport. So for, for me, I coached at Fadria, uh, which was over in East Columbus, and they hadn't won a game in, in umpty ump years. And it was just about kids falling in love with the game. My wife and I both coached elementary school. Then I moved on and coached at uh, Central Middle School for Kip Keel and Tony McClendon. And that's how I became Coach Ray. Uh, I worked at Toyota Industrial for seven years. And uh, when the tsunami hit Japan, there was a buyout at Toyota. And I took an opportunity to change my life. And I went to barber school. And what the barber school allowed me to do was open up my time to spend more time into getting into coaching. Yeah. Because I didn't have to ask anybody's permission could I leave to go coach 40, 45 young men. And I no longer wanted to to ask permission so i opened my barbershop in 2009 2010 and i started coaching full-time uh under the damon bailey rule which which said you didn't have to be an educator you just had to pass uh, a, a screening and a background mm -hmm. check and know what you were doing and i remember that coach bless came and asked me would i come along i'm a very vocal vocal guy my 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 voice radiates um, I am not the best X's and O's guy, Doug. I am a master motivator, I believe. I think, I think, I think every kid needs to be broken down but continually lifted up. I've never left a kid thinking that I didn't like him. You always got to hug him at the end of the day because you never know what they're going into when they get home. Absolutely. Never, I mean, that was, you know, for me at this age, at 57 years old, the greatest thing that happens for me is when the kids who had played for me are bringing their kids for me to cut their hair. Greatest achievement of my life is for the kids to come back. I have the kids on my phone. I speak to them. I've got kids that play at Purdue right now. I've got kids playing all through college and just, when they come on, they come by the shop. And that's the greatest part of all of this for me is the pleasure of, of seeing the kids become young men and knowing that they're telling me that I had something to do with that. Won a lot of football games on that freshman level. Uh, won a lot of football games. Um, but the, the pleasure for me is seeing young men become, you know, building young men, creating, completing young men. And that's what the goal was at Columbus North. That's what my goal as a personal man is, just to build complete men. And that's yeah. what we're trying to yeah. do. As, as an educator myself, that certainly is one of the things that is always always resonates is when those students come back oh. you know, later on. And, hey, this is what I'm doing or whatever. You remember yeah. that time we did this or what yeah. have you? And, and yeah. yeah, I can see where it would be the same thing for, for you as a coach. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. You referenced the Damon Bailey rule. I'm not familiar with. I know who Damon Bailey is, but what is the rule? 
the Damon Bailey rule was the rule that when Damon Bailey became a high school coach, he wasn't a teacher. So I just call it the Damon Bailey rule. I don't even know if it's an actual rule, but I just know that he was the one that opened up to people that have that had the ability to coach children or young people, long as they passed the background and screening tests and were interviewed just as, as a regular coach, uh, you could coach at the high school level. And I didn't coach varsity so much. I coached uh, varsity uh, quarterbacks, but mine was freshman. But Damon Bailey coached a state championship team in Bedford. Um, ben McDaniels is a, a great head coach that uh, owns a pool company here in Columbus that took uh, Columbus North to one win away from the state title. And he wasn't an educator, but, you know, a good, good coach. We have some really, really knowledgeable people down here. And our kids, they come back. Right now we have a kid, Devin Mann, that plays for the L.A. Dodgers that's giving hitting instructions at one of our indoor facilities during the off season, my grandson's going this Tuesday. So these kids, they just, they come back. My son, Keenan Noel, he trains kids often uh, for the next level. Um, it's just about really, our community is so, so about the kids. They're just so about the kids. And that's, that's, that's for me, it's, I call it Mayberry on a five hour energy drink. That's what I call Columbus. Just enough to get you going, but just enough to settle down. We we can for, still forget to unlock our, our doors here occasionally. So I, yeah. I, I, I love Columbus. I really do. That's fantastic. Um, talk to me about what the uh, what the vibe is like in your in your shop, um, and, and what the what conversations are you having there uh, typically? Is does it? It's go ahead. It's it's a it's a it's a. It's the most diverse shop I've ever been in. You have to understand the barbershop is only owned by an Afro-American. It's not a black barbershop. Yeah. Everyone in there is professional. Everyone in there is licensed. But everyone in there is welcome. Um, my mom, even though I have uh, a great relationship with my father, my mom was a divorced mom. So I had to go to the barbershop and sit in the barbershop with my mom. So I always wanted to create that atmosphere that a woman could bring her child and still be involved in the conversation. Now, our conversation is always on about sports. Yeah. We're not talking about the guiding light in there either. So we allow the women to be in our, our conversation. It's just an open forum. I have I have a open forum. The barbers face the the, the crowd. And we sit on church pews. So everyone has to sit next to each other. And every conversation from religion to, to what we want to get into politically, not too much, to COVID, to sports is accepted in there. And everybody's opinion is accepted. It's always been like that. Uh, I set the tone. And, and we go from there. And, and, and in between that, we'll listen to some music. Uh, we also have women that work there, too. So we have to keep it clean. So there's no foul language. Mm -hmm. uh, scripture is accepted at all times. I cut a lot of pastors. I cut a lot of pastors' hair. Um, but they get into sports conversations as well. They're human as well. Uh, sure. But it's just uh, the vibe is, uh, like I said, Jim brings Nora and his grandkids in there all the time. Their, their parents don't come. That's, that's their time. With their grand their grandsons, Jim brings his grandsons. Even when Jim comes at a whole nother time, and gets his hair cut by my myself. It's he and I, and we talk about everything. Uh, 
And then he'll come back later in the afternoon and it's just him, his wife, Nora, and the two boys. And they'll get their hair cut. And it'll be a whole different experience from the gym had earlier in the day. Wow. So it depends on, on, on what's going on in Columbus. We could be talking about the swim team. It just really vibe is, is, is we try to keep it as possible, as positive as possible, as positive yeah. as possible. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's very, very cool. Um, in terms of, you know, I, I know you, you're from Jersey and, mm-hmm. um, you know, our listeners can't see it, but there is definitely a New York Giants hat on the head right now. Absolutely. Um, so you were a Giants guy because I'm guessing were the Jets, well, the Jets would have been around when you were younger, but you chose oh, the Giants. Who's their Joe name is, but I've yeah. always been, I've never been a, uh, now I kind of like players because yeah. we have like a player portal in the NFL and the NBA and guys bounce around, but I've always been a New York Giants. I've always been a New York Knicks fan, and that's because Walt Clyde Fraser is related to my my family. So I've always been Earl of Pearl Monroe is a very good friend of mine uh, through a fraternity that I was in when I went to uh, an HBCU. I went to uh, Virginia State University for about four semesters. Uh, school wasn't for me, and then I uh, evolved and became a, a a Navy man, and yeah. then I. Migrated out here as well. Yeah. So I am a Yankee, Giants, and Knicks fan, and I don't sway from those at all. The Knicks have struggled for years, but I won't give up on them. I won't give up on them. Yeah. Um, now, you, um, well, there was a lot that I have to unpack. Um, uh huh. You gave me the nugget that um, Clyde Frazier is a relative of some sort. Yes. Uh, yeah. Walt Clyde is related to uh, my my grandmother is uh, my father's mother's maiden name is Frazier and uh, we're from Savannah, Georgia uh, Clyde is from uh, Illinois, he went to Illinois, he was also from, uh, I believe Clyde is from Illinois as well but he went to school, uh, I believe at Southern Illinois, uh, but he's a distant cousin of ours. Uh, so that was always instilled in us. I was uh, the first kid that wore the suede Pumas in school. Um, but Clyde, uh, I've never personally interacted with him. Um, but as we, as, as I've been told, he's related to us. My dad has interacted on several occasions. Yes, sir. Sure. And um, the Knicks, you know, certainly a bit of an enigma recently, but um have you been able, were you able to see any games during the heyday at Madison Square Garden when you lived uh, I've been to Knicks games. I've been to, to, to Knicks games when, when they had uh, Ewing. I've been to games back in the 70s with my dad because my dad, when my parents uh, separated, my dad uh, first job out of school was Time Magazine. So my dad lived on 72nd and Central Park West. So that's right on the, you look out his window and you can see Central Park. So we, we spent a lot of time down on uh, 34th Street down there at the garden. Um, Saw several, and again, Bill Bradley was a friend of my, my dad's. He was, uh, he went to Princeton as well. Mm -hmm. So we, 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 we got to go to quite a few games. Uh, My father spent a lot of time with us. We did a lot of sports and then we'd go catch the ball and I'd reenact different things and he was uh he was uh very much involved in my sports very much involved in putting the ball in my hand I had uncles that also played sports as well but he was the one but my mom was the one that you had to go to practice again my parents were divorced my dad did the signing up and he came to the games but getting me around was all about my mom 
She got me to every event. Um, she made sure I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I always remember sitting in the car and my mom talking to the coach to make sure it wasn't really about how I was doing on the field, but how was my sportsmanship? She was big on that. Uh, no pouting. Losing yeah. is a part of great. Uh, even the greatest of loss. So I had to learn how to lose a lot early. Um, I remember my high school, Scotch Plains Fanwood High School. I remember we were in the North Star Ledger one day and we were two and five. And I remember the reporter saying we were the best two and five team in the state of New Jersey. <laughs> I recall that like it was yesterday. Uh, so I really um, didn't start winning until I started coaching. I, I didn't have the successful, I can't tell you about state championships in high school, but won a lot of games with my son, won a lot of football games at Columbus North, won a lot of youth games. So I, 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 I see what it does for kids, but I also see what character you get from losing. You, it builds character. It really does yeah. build character. It, it certainly does. Um, Navy, um, were you out uh, deployed in, in ships and, and things of that nature? Yeah. And what, what was it like to be a sports fan in that environment? That's okay. curious. Back, back then, I was in uh, the U.S. Navy on the uh, aircraft carrier. I was on the USS Independence, stationed out of San Diego, California. And it was during the Mike Tyson era. So we would get to, we would get to have uh, a couple events when we were out at sea. And one of them was we always got to watch the, the, the captain would always get us the Mike Tyson fight. And we were always able to watch the Super Bowl and the World Series. So we weren't able to watch all events unless we were in port. But out at sea, we always got the Super Bowl somehow. And we always got the whole World Series if we were out at sea at the time. Uh, I was on an aircraft carrier with 6,000 men. Uh, on the below flight deck, they had basketball courts. And every six months... They would have actual boxing matches just to blow off steam. You, know, you wore headgear. It wasn't slaughter or anything like that. But that was the guys, you know, pretty much in tune. Again, 6,000 men out to sea for up to six to nine months is tough. That's pretty yeah. tough. But we had uh, we had basketball teams. Uh, so they played on the flight deck. Um, and you could run at weight room. So, so that was, you know, a competition, weight competition. So there were whatever we could come up with or could devise out of there, out at sea. That was equivalent to the equipment we had on the ship. We made it happen. We made See, it happen. Now, you know, on Friday, um, well, as we record this, this past week was Veterans Day. So thank you yeah. for your service, first of all. Thank you, sir. Uh, and, and most, most importantly, but... Did you watch the uh, Gonzaga MSU game from the aircraft carrier out in San Diego? Absolutely, I did watch it, and um, I, I I could imagine. Um, absolutely, San Diego is beautiful anyway, but yeah. I could imagine how uh, how exciting that it was for those Navy guys to to be front and center in front of two top uh, fifteen or ten programs. I'm not sure where they're rated at right now. I wish that we, we had that opportunity. Uh, when I was doing that, I remember, uh, NC, we had the Harlem Globetrotters though, but it was in port as well. And they came and did something for us on the flight deck, but that was in the eighties, but to have, and I think Michigan state is a staple at these. I don't think they, I think they've been in every one of these ones that are on the aircraft. I believe. Yeah. I believe there've only been two. 
Mm -hmm. um, they've, they've done something in like an, in a hangar or something at U.S. Army hangar or something right. or Air Force or what have you. And I think Michigan State was involved in that one as well. And that, well absolutely. But, but yeah, the back in almost 10 years ago or so now, they played North Carolina out on I remember that craft carrier out in San Diego again. And that one was um, it got a little cool, a little quick, I think. And they'll have a lot of condensation and, on the court. And it was sliding on. They were sliding on the on the yeah. actual court a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, what a what a neat event, and it just tells you to. I mean, it speaks to the size of that of that vessel. I mean, if you could put a full on basketball court with grandstands and still yes. have room for all the other stuff, you know. I think it's, um, if I remember, and don't quote me, I think it's three football fields long as is from flight deck in to flight deck tip. Yeah, I think three football fields long. That's why I said edgy, uh, exercising was not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or getting EMI, extra military instruction, was not a problem at the scene. Oh, oh, that's that's incredible. Um, so now you're a transplant. You're in Indiana. Um, mm -hmm. Have you like fully embraced, you know, Indiana basketball and everything else? I mean, are you a, you know, I know an East Coast fella. Do you still have allegiances to the colleges out there, or are you now? Um, Wherever Best? your form, wherever your formal athletes are at, what what's your story okay. there? Okay, so so for football, it always was Ball State. For for basketball, you know, when my son went to Ball State, I like yeah. uh, I, I like Alabama. If you don't like Alabama, something's wrong with you. You don't have to like the team, but it's almost like Michael Jordan. If you don't like Michael Jordan as a player, then you really don't like the game. If you don't like LeBron as a player, then you really don't like the game. Yeah. You know, I don't like the Lakers and I know as a Knicks fan, I didn't like the Bulls. But for me, basketball, I'll tell you, um, I fell in love with basketball. Uh, I had a an experience in a YMCA where I had I watched a pickup game in a YMCA and I watched a kid kill some grown men. And I went over to this kid's crazy story, Doug, and I went over to this kid and I said, Man, you're really good. And at the time, his mom was like, he's even a better chess player. And But going to Duke University, and I was like, really? He was from South Plainfield, and he went to South Plainfield High School, I believe. I don't remember. Don't quote me. But it was Jason Williams. It was Jay Williams that's on ESPN right now. I met mm -hmm. him when he was an 11th grader. And I, he went to Duke, and I started following him. And when he went to Duke, I just fell in love with Duke basketball. And I've loved Duke all the way since then. I, you know, I watched it when Grant Hill were there. But Jay Williams was my go-to to falling in love with uh, Duke basketball. But now I just – I watch it because I love the sport. Yeah. I think basketball, you know, uh, is probably still one of the purest left. They have the least amount of player portals. You know, um, I think it's still one of the games that's still old school um, where kids stay. Um, I like the fact that they, they took away the right out of high school. And I know there's kids that could play at the next level, but that takes away from us. I think for me, and I, I know you haven't asked me this, but a barbershop conversation, Doug, is what is the NIL? Yeah. NIL for me enables kids and us as as sports fans to maybe keep them longer at the college level because they're eating a little better. And what I mean by eating a little better financially and literally eating a little better. 
Yeah. I just, I just think the NIL is not as bad as the, as people are pursuing it. I think that yes, they are getting education, but you see every Saturday that there's a hundred thousand people watching a game at 40 and $50 a ticket. And these kids are down there like gladiators getting it done. Um, I don't, I don't know the curve. I don't know who's getting what. I don't know any of that, but I think it's an opportunity for us as sports fans not to look at what they're getting to maybe see that maybe they can hang out one or two more years and keep college sports as, as, as good as it is. Well, yeah, you, you referenced the NIL and I know that, you know, it down the street or not, not down the street, but down the road from where I'm at here at university of Michigan, Hunter mm-hmm. Dickinson is probably not playing for Michigan this year, but because right. of the NIL, he is, I would think it's similar in Indiana that yes. uh, who's the star there, Jackson, right? Yeah. Grace Jackson or whatever probably yeah. isn't back this year if there's not an NIL. And certainly right. the fellow that we watched on the aircraft carrier Friday night, you know, Drew Timmy is not yeah. still at Gonzaga. Exactly. Exactly. These are guys that we know are, are, are have the next level, but decided to take the major payday and maybe enjoy one more year of college, which allows us to enjoy one more year, one more year of the plane. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, the development and look at Geno Smith playing for the Seahawks. The development takes a little longer. I don't think Geno Smith's a comeback player. I think it's just his time. Yeah. That's all I He's a comeback player. I think he's. it's just his time. I always thought he was an NFL player. It's just he's seasoned enough to take over a team now. Yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, what a fascinating conversation so far. And we could probably go on and on, but I know that um, all of our time is a little bit limited. Absolutely. Um, is, is, is there anything that um, you would still like to see, anything that you would like to go and experience as a sports fan? Or, or do you – you know, as you sit here today, are you pretty content with what you have already experienced? I mean, you referenced now, being 57, so you probably, you've got some time left. What else is out there for, for coach to go and see and experience? You know, my father-in-law, Don, told me that the greatest thing for him was to see his his grandson play college. I'd love to see my grandson reach his goal. Um, and I'd love to go to the Super Bowl. I'd love yeah. to get that. I, I, I don't know about the World Series or the NBA Finals. I've been to the Final Four when it was in Indianapolis when uh, Big Baby Davis played for LSU. I went to the Final Four with my son. Uh, so we have that experience. I'd love to go to the Super Bowl. But for me, it's, it's seeing where my grandson or if my son has sons to see the boys go or my granddaughter, see how far they can take their athleticism and just be along for the ride. You know, I've never sat in the bleachers, Doug. This is my first year uh, not really being on a sideline. It, it's not a bad deal. You got to get a new chair. Those metal bleachers are tough. But uh, <laughs> but uh, kind of experience. I've, I've got, I had the opportunity to sit with Mr. Coleman at baseball games because our grandboys play baseball together. Uh, yeah. But I, it's been it's been a little bit difficult, but rewarding as well to just watch them play for somebody else. For somebody else and so i enjoyed it i enjoyed yeah. it and what, what was that you know i failed to ask this earlier what was that experience like to see um your child play division one football oh man um greatest experience i'll tell you my greatest experience was we went to uh texas a&m and uh my son got to play against miles garrett and kyler murray in front of 112,000 people and they lost 
but it was, and my grandson was one. So his dad was playing as well. We had to put earphones on him and to see the 12th man actually do that in front of me. Cause of course we were Ball State fans. So we had really good seats. Um, but to actually see my son tackle those guys and be out there with Christian Kirk and guys that are on the next level right now was so exhilarating for me. And, and I, I, I just, uh, I thank God for that. I thank God that he had the opportunity to, uh, to, 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 to showcase his talent against guys that are, that I watch every Sunday right now that I watch right now. Absolutely. Well, um, coach, it was a pleasure. And as I said to you offline earlier, you have me now inspired to make the four and a half hour journey down to get, to get into, to get into Any, coaches cuts, to have Any, this conversation in person. Absolutely. I, I, I enjoyed it again. Thank you for having me. Uh, I hope I, uh, inspire some people to uh just go get what you want just go get what you want and i i just really believe if we if we took our top leaders and and looked at them i guarantee most of our top leaders have played some type of sport you 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 have to be you have to be able to be led in order to lead very good thanks again sir really appreciate it have a great day conversations with sports fans is a production of the sports fan project Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen.